Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. You know, one of the things Jesus said is that we needed to be, we need to love one another. And, and the Bible is full of examples of intergenerational relationships. There was always a desperate need for that. And in our society today, we seem to have missed a lot of that. So Martha, before we get into our conversation with our guest today, why don't you tell people how you, oh, you got... I have my, yes, I want to let people know about a video contest Ooh, we have going on Do right I get now. to submit a video? Um, you submit a video every day, oh, okay. Jim. We want to hear from our listeners. So listeners, this is for you to share your story. We want to hear what has changed in your workplace since you started listening to I Work For Him. Um, what is, was there an impact interview that we had that really um, took you on a new direction or someone that you got connected with as a result, you started reading their blog or listening to their podcast or whatever it might be, we'd love to hear from you. So we're having a video contest till the end of the month. Go to our Facebook page. I am going to um, insert the information in our pinned post at the top, Jim, okay. um, so people can find it easily. Um, but we just want you to get that video to us, one to two minutes. All the instructions are out there. Um, but we want to hear from you. This is a chance to share your story. And um, we're just excited to hear from our listeners. So don't delay. Don't be shy. This is a chance for you to just really um, connect. To share your story and get a chance at a grand prize. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Did you mention the prizes? I did not. So we have some... First prize. Um, uh, $100. $100 Visa card. gift card. Yes. All right. And then there's a second and a third prize, too. There is. And I can't remember what we ended up doing. So I, 75 and 25, I think, is what we ended yeah, up with. So, so, but it, anyway, there are three Visa gift cards that could possibly have your name on one of them if you would take the time to submit a video. So please do that. If you have any trouble, you're not good at doing that on social media, just send it to me. We have the um, all that contact information on our contact page at iworkforhim.com. Iwork4him.com. All right. We welcome... Back to the show, Hans Finzel, who's brought along a co-author with him, Patrick Kelly. We're super glad to have you guys on the show today. Welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you. Great to be on the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here. All right, Hans Finzel, let me just ask you a question. How, how does faith shape your work life? How does shape faith your work? Well, my work nowadays is all about leadership and training leaders, and I feel like uh I kind of believe in a biblical view of leadership, which is what I call servant leadership. So in my training and my teaching and my writing about leadership, I really try to emphasize that Christian leaders are different than secular leaders in that extra aspect of uh, servant leadership, which Christ, of course, was the greatest example. And I always like to say servant leadership is not weak leadership. It's having an attitude that you're not the most important person in the room, and everybody else on the team is important. You know, we can't make a single goal without everybody on the team. So that's really the core of how my faith shapes my work. You know, and that is really different because you just said something. You said, you know, that um, biblical leadership means might be that you are not the most important person in the room. And that that is not necessarily what a lot of people are hearing about leadership um, when they are going into maybe a motivational talk or something like that. So I love that, you know, that is something that you're you're really focusing on because it does make a difference. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, so, Pat, 
Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, a lot of people who are bosses, they think, well, I'm the boss because I'm the smartest person, and I'm the most gifted, and I own this place, you know, and, and I'm I'm what it's all about. But that's that's not good leadership. Good leadership is I may be in charge, but it's about we. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a good leader realizes that he can't get it all done by himself. And a really good leader hires people to surround him or her that are way smarter and way more talented than than the leader is. Isn't that true, Hans? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) But there's a concept you don't hear much, and you didn't hear much from the 80s. So, Patrick Kelly, let me ask you this question. Why did you decide to work with Hans Finzel to write this book, Millennial Boom, helping millennials and boomers thrive together in life and work? You know, I would say is, is that I saw the similarities in myself and him and talking to him. I mean, we're just having a discussion when we met on the airplane. It, it wasn't like a, hey, get out of here, kid. It was, hey, how are you? My name is Dr. Hans Mendel. Hi, I'm Patrick Kelly. And the conversation um, was so liquid and so transparent. It was just, to me, it was like gaining, gaining a new colleague, a new friend right off the bat. And as we discovered each other a little bit more, we knew we had a lot more in common than we thought, and then created projects, right? Started working and thriving together and figured out how we could do that. So this, you know, the generations, there's a lot of talk in in the news. I mean, everywhere you go, there's this talk of, okay, you got boomers and millennials, and they're having a problem working together. They're having a problem going to church together. They're having a problem working together. They're having a problem living in neighborhoods together. First of all, I want to. What the heck happened to the Xers, I, Hans? Before I go back to Pat, Patrick with that, why don't we ever talk about the X Xer generation? Because I feel left out. It's not fair. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know a lot of you do. It's called the skipped generation and the gap generation. And, you know, honestly, I think it has a lot to do with the size because you know the boomers are seventy six million, the Gen Xers are eighty two million. A lot of people don't realize, I'm sorry, the millennials are 82 million, uh, a, a generation even larger than the boomers. And you Gen Xers are a wonderful generation, but you're a lot smaller. And uh, for some wow. for some reason, you've been skipped, but don't take it personal. Uh, I mean, well, just the way you just described that made me feel worse, just so you know. <laughs> but it's, in- it's interesting, actually, because Jim and I are both the youngest kids in a family where all of our siblings are boomers. So in a lot of ways, we, you know, that's where we gravitate to, yet our children are millennials. So we, we, um, yeah. yeah we, we act more like X, but anyway, okay, it's not about what us. Do we okay. act like? We Jim. act like X, like crazy people with yeah, a radio program. <laughs> okay, so Patrick, there's this conflict. You've seen it. You're a millennial. And at what point in time did you start to realize that boomers in the workplace did not appreciate your approach to life? Very, very early on. I mean, I've, I've been an entrepreneur since, you know, I'd say my high school days. You know, I was a, a kid running around the neighborhood um, washing cars and mowing lawns. And, you know, there was a certain way that the older generation wanted things done, right? So even working with my dad growing up, and I know when my dad's a boomer, I'm actually pretty much the same age as Hans. Um, but act very differently. It was more of a do-as-I-say mentality. When I went to go mow lawns, my dad would tell me how to mow the lines in the lawn to that person's house, you know, when to leave to get there. You know, all these different things that I know were 
skills to set me up for success, to write tasks to say, hey, check on this or do this. But it seemed more like if it wasn't their way, then it was completely thrown out. Um, I, I experienced that at a very early age. And even going through, as I said, my professional career started very young and, you know, for my work. Um, but I always dealt with boomers at an early age saying, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. That's not how you're supposed to do it. Hey, you need to respect what we're telling you. Don't ask why. Um, so at a very, very early age, I started to see, you know, the the gaps in me trying to say, hey, well, I'm going to do it this way. Or, oh, I'll, I'll go, um, you know, do the line zigzag instead of, you know, horizontally or vertically. It was, no, do what you're told. Mm. So if you were to define the millennial generation, Patrick Kelly, how would you define it? You know, if I, would say, I would say entrepreneurial. I mean, I would say they, they like to create their own ways of doing things. They look at some of the systems, the structures, the brands, um, relationships, how we do things as more on a schematic view or a blueprint, I would say. And, and, and I speak for myself, but I can't speak for an entire generation. I, you know, sometimes I wish I could, but I can't. Um, because I see so many generalizations, but I look at it as a schematic and I, I look at the blueprint, I tear it apart and say, Hey, what are we not doing right? What are we doing here? Um, and really pick apart. So I would say, um, very systematic and, and, uh, entrepreneurial. You know, conflict between generations is inevitable. We got the traditionalists who are who, who fought World War II and World War One, and, and their incredible generation, and the boomers who came out after World War II, and then the Xers who just everybody forgets about them, and the millennials who are taking over the world. There's conflict between these generations, but everybody's created an image of God. Yet each one of us has been given a unique perspective through our unique set of gifts, talents, and abilities. We look at life differently through a filter, and our filter is given it's the perspective of our filter just is how we see things and experience things and we experience conflict when we are surrounded by people who don't think like us so conflict between friends is one thing but conflicts between generations is a conflict of epic proportions and that's what we're seeing about seeing today between the generations in the workplace in the church place too in the neighborhood place we need to understand each other. And as Christ followers, we were called to bring about flourishing in the world. And so if we got conflict with somebody, we need to just get to know them. Because once we get to know somebody, there's a real solution. But we got experts that can talk about this stuff. we got Hans Finzel, Dr. Hans Finzel, I'm reminded, and Patrick Kelly. They wrote this book, Millennial Boom. It's got an exclamation point. You say so that I say really like well. That. I like that. Helping millennials and boomers thrive together in life and work. You know, and maybe bring along the Xers, too. Welcome back, Hans Finzel, Patrick Kelly, to our work for him. Thanks, Dean. Hey, hey. I, I still, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bitter about this extra miss, you know, that you just ignored the extra. But we're gonna, I've, I'll have to get over it by the time. I think we, get we can still learn a lot, Jim. Yeah, I just want to know, but we're not talking about helping millennials and extras get along in the workplace. You guys only want to help millennials oh, and boomers. Stop. So, do millennials <laughs> and and extras get along, Hans Finzel? Well, actually, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, all these are generalizations. I, I, I think one reason Patrick and I hit it off so well, and of course I have four millennial kids of my own, is that I have a lot of millennial uh, characteristics in me. And then I find millennials who have a lot of boomer characteristics. And then, you know, I have Gen X. So it, it's only, you know, this whole generalization only goes so far. And I think what we've written about is really 
different generations getting along. So there's a lot for you Gen Xers to glean <laughs> out of what we've learned. But what's very important to understand is that every generation has its own culture. And that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to get different generational cultures to understand each other and get along. You know, I was a missionary work my whole career, and I taught missionaries. First thing you do when you land in the new culture, you learn the language and figure right. out how to communicate with them. And this is the exact same thing. Exactly. We love that. And so, um, but you guys, and you referred to a book that you've written, so um, we want to make sure that our listeners know it's Millennial Boom. And um, what, one of the things I think what you're saying is that you wrote from your expertise, that you wrote as a boomer, Patrick wrote as a millennial, and coming together, because I think that's where you come out of. So, um, Hans, define for us the boomer generation, especially in the workplace. What does that look like? Uh, it's the old gray hairs now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They've got hair. You know, we were born between 1946 and 64. We're in our 60s and 70s, so we're the mostly the oldest generation still in the workforce. There's a few builders left, but we are the 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 uh, elder statement statesmen in the workforce today, and we are such a massive generation, and we're a bunch of control freaks, and we want everybody to do it our way, and. Uh, by the way, this is how Patrick and I started our friendship on this airplane halfway across the Pacific Ocean from California to China. And Patrick said to me, you know, you're not like most boomers I'm, I know. I don't really like boomers, <laughs> but you're, mm-hmm. you're pretty you're pretty cool. And I, that's how the friendship began. But, and then he started telling me the pain of having to work in his industry, which is the fruit industry, in Central California and how it's all dominated by these old boomers who are very rigid and very condescending against the millennials. That's kind of how the whole thing was born. Because I'm not condescending. I I love millennials. I've learned to appreciate what's good about them. But that's the boomers are the oldest people in the workforce today. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about getting along in the workplace. What What are some of, Patrick Kelly, what are some of the things you're seeing people not get along. I mean, what are some of the conflict points? Just give us two or three of them that you see constantly grading together between the millennials and let's say the older generations, because again, we don't want to exclude us Xers because, okay, I'll let it go. Okay. Martha's throwing things at me now. Okay. <laughs> so what are some of the conflicts you see at work? What are some of the things that you see friction being caused between these generations? First of all, I got to go back to the extra comments. You know, I held my breath long enough to listen to what was going on in that conversation until now. So I just want to make it very clear because I have a lot of Generation X friends, and then I will go to the conflicts. But Generation X are a bunch of great, cool people. I love them, right? Their generation is just as big as the millennial generation, and they have the same parents as we do. Some even have parents of the silent generation, though. But they grew up just before us living on the I do's and I don't, and, and grew up with minimal technology. They're very, very, very keen to their routine, and they are a group of people that saw a little more than millennials did but stayed really close to the status quo. Now, listen, they go to work, they go to church, they go to the gym, and they repeat that, okay? Sometimes they don't even stray from it. They're very good at what they do. <laughs> what I have learned from those exes and what they've taught me throughout my life is that they have paved the way for millennials to be entrepreneurial. They have paved the way for us to battle with the boomers in work and life. Why? Because when we hung out with the Generation X as millennials when we were kids, they would say, hey, figure it out yourself. 
Don't do it that way. I don't care what you do. As kids growing up, those three, those those kids that were three to four years old, right? As I was a, a freshman, those uh, those seniors or first dread college uh, college uh, freshmen is who I was hanging out with, right? And that's mm-hmm. what I would get. So I will never say that the flyover generation, because they're in management now, they're working the positions that we want to surpass, and they've also paved that way for us to be a little bit more entrepreneurial in my um, mind um, than our parents did. So you got to think about it like that. You guys have done a lot for us without truly being recognized, okay? Okay, I feel awesome. better. And now you're on our good side there. Okay. I'll <laughs> Jim, shut Jim's up gonna now. Jim's going to be, be okay. good now. <laughs> Thanks so, for sharing then, that. No, I mean that's that's how I feel because that's how that's where I am. You know, and then and then if we move towards the conflicts, right? I mean, a lot of the conflicts that I see in the workplace are a lot of the generalizations. I will tell you that I have consulted for over two dozen companies in the last three years, and everybody, as soon as I walk in, it's why aren't these millennials like you? You know, and I'm only, I've only had an hour of conversation or two hours of conversation with them. It's why aren't they like you? Why aren't they? you know, go-getting? Why don't they want to be to work on time? Why are they just not aggressive in opening the box? And, you know, it's these little generalizations that plague a workplace. I mean, Hans and I talk about it in the book many times. Um, That's why we have a lot of different quotes throughout the book in each chapter um, talking about these, is that everybody generalizes way too much. That's number one. Um, Number two, they be- a lot of people believe that we do not have this work ethic because we were given the trophies, right? They don't, be- they don't believe that we were given so much, we were given everything, that when we come to work, it's almost like, blah, ah, it's like boring for us, right? So there's that, there's that negative stigmatism of going to work, right? Why aren't you guys showing up on time, right? Creating, creating the culture. Hans talked about each generation having a culture. We have a little bit of a different culture. We never liked the traditional nine-to-five. We want to work at a lot at our own pace and pursue more free work environments. We believe that will accomplish more, being able to understand each individual, speak with them on our own terms, how we, how we collect our thoughts. You know, that's why the offices, if you notice, a lot of offices went from the, you know, um, cubicle offices or even very private offices to the open floor spaces, right, the co-working stations. They're now starting to get rid of co-working stations at offices downsizing their offices and letting more of each generation work from remote, work remote, and challenging them, and I've seen this in my work, is we're challenging them to go above and beyond while they're gone and having to work at Starbucks. Putting new, um, uh, what would we call them, oh, I lost the word in my head right now, but um, holding them accountable. There we go. We're holding them accountable in certain ways, saying, listen, if you're going to work from home this week then, or work from Starbucks or work from the road, then your goal is to network with three to five people while you're out in, you know, in the field, right? So, mm. you know, different things like that. And, but we're seeing that conflict, right, create solutions for us to thrive together. Right. We're talking about, I, I, I mean, I don't know how to cage the the, the conversation better than, there's a lot of conflicts between generations because there's a lot of misunderstanding between the generations. There's a lot of misunderstanding between the generations because we fail to get to know each other because we put all these generalizations out there. We get put off uh, us old people, and I'm not that old. I'm a, I'm a I'm an older generation Xer. Sometimes people in my generation and the next generation, the boomers, get put off by people that have tattoos and beards. What the heck? It's just body hair and a little paint. <laughs> Maybe they're why, jealous. Why don't we get to know each other? Well, the hair, if somebody's got a lot of hair on their face, it's a lot of times because they can't grow hair on their head. 
But Patrick Kelly, he's one of the guests on the show. He's got hair on his head still and a beard. And Hans Finzel, well, he doesn't. So, but that's, I mean, this, these generalizations <laughs> that, that get us in trouble. Hans Finzel, you know, you know, you, you, the boomer generation is leaving the workplace here. And over the next 15 years, they'll be, for the most part, gone out of the out of the workplace. I mean, there'll be some stragglers. But why is it, you think, that we get stuck on generalizations instead of getting to know people anymore? What, what keeps us from building relationships in the workplace so that we don't do this generalization thing? I think it's two things. Uh, first of all, it's ethnocentricity. We are all, we like people who are like us, and we don't like people generally who are not like us. You know, uh, and that's true generationally. You know, as we get older, we have what I call the hardening of the categories. You know, we get more <laughs> and more rigid, and we want people to be like us, and we like to work with people that are like us. And that's one of the big problems. The second thing is pride. You know, I think that um, if you're arrogant, if you're proud, you also think, well, people need to be like me, work like me, do things like me. And when I look like, work with people that are different, I don't like it. So please become like me. Well, I just decided a long time ago that's not biblical. That's not compassion. You know, we need to get out of ourselves. I guess it's because I've had a history of working in a hundred countries around the world, and I love other cultures. And to me, as a mm -hmm. boomer, the millennials are a culture that I need yeah. to study and embrace. And hey, guess what? They're going to take my place. And then that's fine. People have a full of pride. They're threatened by millennials. They really are. To me, I'm like, you know, I want to mentor them. I want to uh, be with them because they're going to take my place. And if, my, if I want my work to endure, it'd be nice to mentor Gen Xers and millennials who can take my place. That's what happened to me six years ago when I gave up my position as a ministry CEO after 20 years, hey, you'll be glad to hear I was replaced by a Gen Xer. <laughs> and, uh, and this guy's Jeff is doing a fabulous job, and he was on my team, and I helped develop him, and I'm proud of the fact that the work that I laid the foundation for is going on with the next generation. So we got to get out of ourselves, and we got to study and learn to embrace these new generations. That's kind of my, my perspective. So, Patrick Kelly, tell us who the book is for, Millennial Boom, that you've written here with uh, Hans Finzel. Who are you hoping will pick up this book, and what kind of impact are you hoping it will make? So when our listeners hear it, they know, is this a book I should be picking up? Yeah, so, I mean, at first we started with we wanted to touch the lives of business professionals, right, at first. But then it, it, it became more. As I start talking to people, it's everyone. It's, it's millennials, it's boomers, it's Xers, it's the next generation coming up. And that's what I started to notice. It's not just about boomers and millennials. Um, California State University Fresno, my alumni actually just picked up my book, or Hans and I's book, for a one-credit mentor course which is an introduction to mentoring to get you into the business school or the entrepreneurship program. And when we started going over this, she said, it's not about millennials and it's not about boomers. It's about getting the next generation to feel comfortable talking to the next generation or the one below them, getting them outside their comfort zone to make a difference and start being themselves 
in the world, being authentic, mm. being transparent, and being loyal. So okay. my is to reach everyone. Okay, but Patrick, you said to to Hans on the airplane, well, I don't really like boomers. So, I mean, but the truth is, did you have a grandfather in your life? I, I had one, yes. Okay. Mm. Did you ever get to know your grandfather? I did a little bit. He he uh, suffered from Alzheimer's, so it, it was mm. very hard throughout our our life with him. Yes, he, he didn't know who you were, but we didn't spend as much time as you would think. And right. my other grandfather died at a bear before I was born. So Got it. Uh, okay. no is kind of the answer to that. So you didn't have the advantage of, of getting to know, and both my grandfathers died when they were young, but Martha's grandfather lived until we had been married already 10 years, so we got to really get to know him, which is how I got to appreciate that was a traditional generation, but the boomer generation, you said you didn't like them much. Was that because you hadn't had time to actually get to know them or you just got tired of being judged and nobody ever wanted to get to know you? Oh, thousand, uh, for sure. Um, that Hans has taught me so much over this journey. You know, I think there was more a vendetta towards the industry that I work in, you know, and, and Hans has now opened me up to that, right? You know, our cross-generational thinking has opened me up on how to deal with with boomers in, in new ways and understand, you know, where they came from. So, yeah, that I would say probably five years ago, um, I, was, I wasn't authentic towards boomers, right? I didn't give them what the, the I would say, the generosity, the respect, and the, uh, you know, I would say the life that I'm giving them now. Mm. So there was something that you guys said that I just want you, I can only imagine when you were talking about, you know, we, the boomers maybe want only boomers to work with them that are like them, that, um, because then it, you know, you just have less conflict. But I remember a couple decades ago when we struggled with having organizations that had like group think issues where everybody thought the same and you weren't you weren't growing, you weren't challenging. And um, Patrick, you made a comment that, you know, because of some of the conflict, it's caused um, organizations to have to try to figure it out. So really, this is such a healthy place to be in in a in a, um, an organization, as long as somebody takes up this mantle and says, "Let's deal with the conflict." So, I mean, Hans, I mean, that's, I mean, you look at, I mean, companies have disappeared off the map because he couldn't eliminate this generational issue. <laughs> but you know, as all this misunderstanding and this judging of each other, it's heartbreaking and it's destructive. Hans, the Bible clearly speaks as Jesus followers. That's not supposed to be part of our lives. Exactly. We should be compassionate. And again, uh, back to my servant leader paradigm, if you're in any kind of meeting, uh, and I say anybody that influences anybody else is a leader, and if you're in any kind of management role or leadership role, and I think that's where Patrick uh, experienced a lot of condemnation from the owners and the managers of the these businesses in the Central Valley of California, the fruit industry, and I as a believer, again, I feel like I need to be a servant leader, uh, and I need to have a heart of compassion and, and, and get to know other people. And not it's not all about me and my way. You know, my way or the highway. You know, that's... Mm. <laughs> that's that doesn't work. School, that's old school, arrogant, baby boomerish. But um, that's, that shouldn't be our, um, our approach, because, again, I, I really believe one of the greatest jobs of a leader is to develop other leaders and to mentor the, the young up-and-coming generations. So that's part of being a servant leader. Now, if you're full of pride and you're threatened by the young, you're not going to do that. 
But if you just relax and realize, you know, every generation comes and then they go. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes says. You know, we're just like dust. We appear and we think our life is all that great, but it's going to be gone. And so if I want to build a legacy and finish well, I want to prepare the generations coming after me. And that's why I have a a real heart for uh, millennials and Gen Xers. That's awesome. So in your book, Millennial Boom, that we're talking about, Hans, you wrote 10 insights for working well with millennials. For our listeners' sake, why don't you give us a couple of your top, give us three of your top um, insights so that we can maybe take those even today and try to apply them to working well with millennials that are around us. Absolutely. And um, let me just, okay. So number one, not all millennials are equal. Okay, that's so important to remember. You know, these stereotypes that we talk about in the book, boomers have these stereotypes that every millennial is lazy, no millennial wants to work hard, they don't want to show up at 8 o'clock, you know, they're spoiled. All these uh, stereotypes, not all millennials are equal. Mm. Uh, Number two, and here's something I learned from Patrick, millennials are very fluid in their work habits and work boundaries. You know, for we, uh, the builder generation, the boomer generation, we, our concept of work is we go to work. <laughs> and Patrick mm-hmm. tells a funny story in the book about his grandmother who, whenever he talks to her, she says, Are you at work? Because I don't want to bother you if you're at work. And Patrick likes to work in a fluid environment. He might be at Starbucks, he might be at home on the couch with one of his little kids on his lap. And so millennials are fluid in work habits and boundaries, and that does not mean they're lazy. Okay? Okay. Um, I'll give you one more. Don't take their challenges of the way we do things personally. Uh, We talk about power distance, and every uh, generation in America, the younger the generation, the less power distance there is between follower and leader. You know, the builders, it was all about respect. You know, the boomers, because of the Vietnam War and, and all the assassinations, we reduced the power distance. Now, between millennials and their bosses, they're zero power to meaning they'll get in our face. And we take it as disrespect. Wow, that was disrespectful what you just said to me. Well, I've learned, hey, don't take it personally. They just like to challenge the status quo. And it's, again, because of this cultural cultural a decrease of the power distance. So I've learned to not take it personal. When Patrick challenges me or when the millennial challenges me about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it this way. So that's really important. We're having a great conversation today with Patrick Kelly and Hans Finzel. They wrote this book, Millennial Boom! The exclamation point. I can't say it without saying boom! It's just kind of fun. Helping millennials and boomers thrive together in life at work. MillennialBoomNow.com. These guys wrote this book because we want to eliminate the stupid that happens in work, that happens at in the neighborhood, that happens at church. Let's eliminate the stupid, this judging of the generations. I'm not going to put words in their mouth. Patrick Kelly, you wrote a 10 insights for working well with, no, you wrote 10 insights that are critical for you to understand in order for you to thrive in a work environment with boomers. What are your top three? Yeah, perfect. So I would say number eight is my number one because they're a lot. They're mixed around uh, for my for my pleasure, right? But I would say number eight. You know, boomers aren't as rigid as we think. Uh, 
you know, people, they, you know, my, my generation, they, they see uh, an old, the older generation, whether it's a Gen X or a boomer, and they just think, oh, I don't know. Are they approachable? Can I talk to them? Should I? Well, guess what? They're not as rigid. They're delicate. They're delicate to their life. They're delicate to their work, just as we are. So we need to keep an open mind when approaching the workplace and how we go about doing business in and out of the work so we can thrive together. So boomers aren't as rigid as we think. Mm. Uh, number, I, also, number 10 is my number two. Challenge. Challenge, challenge, challenge. But challenge in a good way. Millennials need to challenge boomers gracefully and respectfully in the workplace. And it's not the traditional uh, old respect. It's traditional as in let's be communicated to each other, let's be transparent, and I will respectfully add my advice or input as needed to get the project or to get us moving in the direction we need to go. So do your part to get past the generalizations that plague the workplace every day. And then my number three is number five in the book, okay? Take the time to listen. One of my biggest points in my emotional intelligence is active listening. I don't actively listen enough. Podcasts like this help me all the time because it helps me listen to what's saying as I'm not able to speak, right? So as millennials get out there, they need to take the time to listen and to understand boomers. They have so much to contribute within the workplace. We as millennials need to have an open mind when viewers want to do things in a certain way. We just have to take it all in, learn it, learn and trust the process, and bring our ideas and input and present them at the right time. That's That's awesome. So I'm going to restate those real quick, and then I have one more follow-up question for that. So your number one was boomers aren't as rigid as you think they might be. Um, Number two, challenge in a good way. Number three, take time to listen. And um, so I have this question for you, Patrick, as you um, look at those things. How, what does, what do, give me one example of what that looks like in an environment where it's not been happening, where maybe, I mean, is it, is it create a way to be more approachable? Is it find some way to have a conversation? How do what does that look like for our listeners who today are saying, I don't, I have boomers in my workplace I haven't even had a conversation with before. How do, how do they begin? You know what? I mean, I think the first thing is uh, the communication part of it. You know, I think you're going to put, they say put your money up, right? You know, so if a millennial has an idea or wants to reach some type of a particular community or some type of impact, right, um, whether it's on a personal or even a e-commerce level, um, they got to start by communicating, right? you got to start up by going up and, and talking, right? So boomers aren't as rigid as we think. We need to get past the generalizations in the workplace, go out, put our hand out, and say, hi, how you doing? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing is actually taking the confidence to actually reach out like Hans and I did on an airplane. Because right. if you were to ask Hans if he speaks to people on airplanes, his answer is the same every time someone asks him. What is the answer, Hans? Do you talk to people on the airplane? Absolutely not. <laughs> I put on my headphones, and I don't want to talk to anybody because I'm an introvert. And Patrick uh, kind of bulldozed himself into my face and into my space, and uh, it was cool. It was cool. It was respectful but aggressive, and, and that's Patrick. I like that about him. So wow. let's talk about 
as we close out the show, let's talk about these five areas of conflict that tend to show themselves in some real practical ways for us to eliminate them in our work environment, our church environment, our neighborhoods, our families even. Really quick, go. Let me just rattle them off real quick. The five areas of conflict, workplace and workspace. Number two, schedules and priorities. Number three, dress and body art including facial hair. Number four, marriage and children. Number five, technology. So those are the five areas that we unpack in our book, Millennial Boom, where where there's a real conflict and stereotypes between the generations. I don't know if you want to drill into one of those, but that's... Well, let's talk about... Patrick, let's just talk about dress, okay? Uh, Hans, when he got his first job, had to wear a suit and a tie and and really shiny patent leather shoes. You got your first job. You didn't have to do that. I mean, why is the dress such a big deal? You know, I would say it really depends, right? So when I got, I would say, my first job, I worked for my dad and my uncle. Like, we had a family business. But my dad, there was a dress code. It was khakis and a collared shirt, right? So there was some type of dress code, but was not anything like Hans or my father, like you said, in the suit. Um, I, I think that the casualness has come down over the years as I've worked for Fortune 500 companies and private organizations that kind of are very lenient uh, to the dress code. And I believe it's all about being comfortable because it's not – just look at Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and how much social media is impacting likes, right? And if you are not authentic and true to who you are, how am I going to do business with you? How am I going to talk to you on a personal level or, or uh, create an emotional touch with you if you're just asking the park to go to work? We're not actors. We, we put on a suit because it's a dress code, but we also have to live our life as authentic as can be. And I think over time, we, we blood that into the workplace. And I say that we would show up not wearing the right dress code. I remember having a job at Walgreens when I was a kid, you know, during the summer, and I remember I would come right after my cheerleading practice. I was a, I was a gymnast. I did cheerleading very competitively. And I would have white sneakers on. And I could tell you I was written up because there was no, you wouldn't want to have tennis shoes on. But, you know, I, would, I had to go to work. And every once in a while I forgot those shoes. So I'd wear my sneakers, my gym sneakers. I'd still have blue, blue pants on, the wall green shirt, my vest. But I would have white sneakers on, right? We blooded in that community. I never got fired from that job and then all of a sudden things changed right you started seeing more shoes like that in the workplace right a lot of different factors come in that's because old people realize their feet are killing them because they're wearing (laughs) stupid (laughs) shoes forever all right let's talk about let's talk about the the perspective hans uh, of the marriage and family between the boomer generation and the millennial generation today Okay, so I, I've learned from Patrick that millennials don't want to uh, replicate our marriage and family style. Why? Pretty obvious. Uh, half of boomer marriages have crashed and burned, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Patrick grew up in a broken home. Uh, my children always told me, Mom and Dad, you're the only parents of all of our friends that are still together. So we did something wrong as a generation. And so millennials, in fact, a lot of them are not getting married for that very reason, because they don't want to, you know, they'll cohabitate, but they're like, man, I've seen marriages, not for me. And so that's, and so we have to embrace the fact that they are um, doing it different uh, and 
things. And, and if we really understand why they're doing it different, we should point the finger at ourselves. And so uh, millennials aren't big at asking for us parents, uh, boomer parents, for advice about raising their children. Because generally, that's the problem. We were not that great of an example. So in in about 45 seconds or so, let's talk on the conflict in the area of technology. What does that look like and how can we we get to a meeting point? Well, not all boomers are technologically illiterate and not all millennials are technologically savvy, but that's kind of the impression. Right. We, we say in the book that boomers uh, immigrated into technology, but uh, millennials were born there. They're natives. And mm. so uh, that's that's where there a lot of millennials, rightly so. Patrick, I want you to speak to this, but a lot of boomers don't feel comfortable with technology and are constantly trying to catch up. You know, if you're a grandparent, I have ten grandchildren, and if I need to learn something new about technology, you might want to ask my grandchildren. That's right, All right Patrick. <laughs> exactly you got thirty right. seconds to comment, Patrick. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree, but but disagree. And the fact that I'm not as, so much as tech savvy as my kids are, They're, they grew up with way more than I did, so I yeah. still learn on a daily basis. But again, when my son goes to my his grandma on the FaceTime me and she says, "What's that?" I, I know I've got a lot to learn. Right, keep going with technology. But if you ask me to code or look at the server, I have no idea what you're talking about. I so, love that. So we got an advantage over you. All right, Patrick Kelly <laughs> and Hans Finzel, thanks for writing the book Millennial Boom. Helping millennials and boomers strive together in life at work and at church. I like to throw that in because it, the, the solutions here are just get to know each other. But Hans and Patrick, thanks for being on I Work for Him today. You're welcome. And our, you website so is, our website is millennialboomnow.com. You You've been listening to I Work for Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I Work for Him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit iWorkForHim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at iWorkForHim to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at iWorkForHim and online iWorkForHim.com. I work the number for him.com.